Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. This is Shelby, your host, and today I am joined by Tara Walsh, also known as the Lashpreneur. You may recognize her from Instagram, Facebook. She also has a podcast, and today we are going over a ton of different topics. Tara has a stance that not many people have on many of those topics, so I think you guys will get a lot out of this episode. And if you're listening today, make sure to tag Lash Boss Radio and The Lashpreneur on Instagram and let us know. And without further ado, here's episode 24. Okay, so welcome to the show, Tara. Hi! I'm really excited. I've been dying to know, like, all of your story, and so I think... Let's just start from the beginning. Tell the listeners how you kind of got started in the lash industry. Oh, man, how much time do we have? (laughs) All right. So I started off. Actually, let's go way back. I actually have a business management degree. So I actually have business experience. I was in the corporate sales and marketing world for about eight years before I ever got into the beauty industry. The life changing event that happened for me was in 2012. I wanted to get out of the corporate world. I was in hotel sales and it was like this corporate rat race and it was stressful. I had an ulcer from it. It was just like so chaotic that I really wanted to focus on growing my family. I was a newlywed. I really wanted to have kids. So that was kind of the direction I wanted my life to take. So I thought maybe beauty school. I don't know. It's so uncharacteristic for me. It wasn't expected of me. I didn't think my family would support it. So I just went back to working in restaurants while my husband and I were trying to get pregnant. Well, a year into that, I got pregnant and we thought, great, everything's aligning. And at my 16 week appointment, we found out that the baby had passed away. So I had a late term miscarriage and that rocked my world more than anything else I had ever experienced. So my little perfect little bubble had popped and I went through depression. My husband deployed three months later. It was like a huge transformational time in my life. And I had this very clear moment amidst my grief that I wanted my daughter's life. We had a daughter. Her name is Kaya. I wanted her life to matter. I wanted, even though she wasn't here with me anymore, I wanted my life to be a representation that she did exist. So I wanted a complete 180 from what my life looked like before Kaya and after Kaya. And so while I had desired to go to beauty school but never really committed to it, this was my time now to do something that would go out of character for me because I was very corporate, you know, going to have a big career working for other people to then take a a risk and go to beauty school and just see what that was like. What I didn't realize when I was in beauty school that was actually very healing for me was that I was taking care of other women when I couldn't take care of myself, especially because my husband was gone the entire time I was in beauty school. So I literally was just pouring everything that I could, all of my grief, all of my stress, all of my tears into taking care of other women. And that filled a piece of me that I didn't even know I had inside of me. So through beauty school um, is when I I got uh, my lash training. It wasn't at the beauty school itself. I literally, my first training, oh, thank you for an unregulated industry, was watching my lash artist lash for an hour. And then she watched me lash for an hour and bada bing, bada boom. I'm now a lash artist. So as soon as I got my aesthetics license, I then started taking lash clients at a salon. I was an independent contractor, so I didn't really have walk-ins. I was third in line for like priority of who got walk-ins. So there really was a huge learning curve for me. And then when I got, after about three months of that, I filed unemployment because I wasn't making any money and I wasn't being paid minimum wage and I was misclassified as an independent contractor. I then got hired on as an employee at a day spa that I was going to be the only lash artist there also doing aesthetic work. 
and they required an official certification, whatever that is. And so I took a death by PowerPoint lash certification and had a piece of paper that said I was a lash artist. And there I was starting to take lash clients. And this was back in the day of like pot lashes, like tray lashes was like a new thing that people weren't quite familiar with. I was slapping 0.25s on people, 50 millimeter all across the way. I mean, oh, those pictures are um, painful to look at. <laughs> but that was kind oh of my, my journey into the lash world. I, I didn't realize how much I loved it until I finally got pregnant and had my son. And while I was on maternity leave, all I could do was research lashes. And we didn't have forums as much like we do today. It was called Wake Up and Your Makeup was kind of the only resource for lash artists to find more lash information. And then I had stumbled across Frankie Widows and she was just starting up her lash, te lash tech tutorials. And that's where I really realized my passion and love for being a lash artist was while I was out on maternity leave with my son. Wow. Right. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Let's get right into it. <laughs> <laughs> so... As a lash artist, did you find yourself eventually helping other women get clientele? Like, how did you step into this role that you are in now as the lashpreneur and you're helping hundreds of lash artists every day learn more about the business side of everything? How did you transition from just doing lashes into that role? Yeah, I when I came back from maternity leave, Within two weeks of me coming back, the clientele, the small piece of the clientele, we're talking maybe 15 clients that had come back to me, most of them lost their lashes within three days. This is when it really opened my eyes to, I don't really know what I'm doing with lashes. I don't know anything about the chemical that I'm using on them, the adhesive. You know, this was literally, I was just using glue that was a one to two second dry time. That's all I knew about it. And so I kept buying glue after glue after glue and nothing was working. And so when I dove into lash tech tutorials and started to understand, you know, volumetrics and the adhesives, I then was like, I need to take volume. Maybe that's what I'm missing. So sure enough, the next volume class here in San Diego was Hillary Brand. I had no idea who she was, but I thought, well, I want to get volume certified and that's the next one that's available. So I'm going to sign up for it. That class changed the trajectory of my life, not just my career, but my life. Not only is Hillary amazing, and she was a huge member and a huge part of why I became the Lashpreneur and a huge cheerleader in my corner for it, but even just seeing the other women in the class who were much younger than me, who had successful businesses, were running their own businesses with no corporate experience, no business experience. They were just out there doing it. And I looked at them and I said, if they can do it, why can't I do it? So that kind of got me thinking well, maybe I can start my own business too. And not, you know, I was making, gosh, what was I making? Less than $400 a week as an employee elsewhere. So there was only up from there. So yeah, I, two months later, I quit the employee job and I went out on my own and it took me about two months to find a location that I liked in an area of town that I liked. And, you know, threw a sign up on the door, had a little website up and uh, was open for business and it was crickets. And I was getting advice to do Groupons and I knew I didn't want to go that route. I knew that I had enough business experience to make it work. I just didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And so after three months of twiddling my thumbs, putting up blogs, doing everything I could to try and market myself, Instagram wasn't even really a thing. There weren't hashtags back then. I was mainly just doing Facebook when you still had organic reach and had I think about 20 clients, I had 14 when I opened my business and I had about 20 total clients about three months in and realized I either have to shut down and go back for working for someone else or I have to go all in and figure this out. 
And I paid a lot of money to a business coach that I didn't have at the time that put our our checking account for our, our personal account at $40 after I paid her a ton of money. But I was like, okay, all in, no failing, can't, can't fail now. I have a family to support. And it was through that coaching that it clicked with me what I was missing, and that was marketing. And so we did six weeks of coaching with uh, this business coach, and then I took it from there. And within three months, I was profitable in my business, which I hadn't been up to that point. Within six months of coaching, I was fully booked. And then a year after I opened my business, so about eight months after my coaching, I raised my prices to be some of the highest in a very saturated market here in San Diego. And I found what my unique selling point was, my niche. I found how to market myself. I found my voice. I found my place in the marketplace. And I found my ideal type of client and just served the the crap out of her. And when I started getting involved in Facebook groups, just talking about you know, answering business questions, because that's just more what I was drawn to, because it was fun for me. At first, I was very hesitant, because my viewpoint was so different. And the claws come out on these Facebook groups, right? And women just if you disagree Mm -hmm. with them, or if you challenge them or ask them why they get very defensive, and they kind of jump down your throat. So I Mm -hmm. was doing this for about a year of getting in these groups and kind of just answering the business questions, just sharing my ideas that weren't popular because they weren't the common thing that was responded to. And it took about a year of me doing that to realize, actually, I'm not wrong. Like, actually, what I am saying is true. It's actually helpful. It's not hurting people, which I felt like the advice of doing sets for free or working for free or having rock bottom prices and then trying to slowly raise your prices or doing Groupons to build a clientele, I feel like that's detrimental to a business owner and it's not profitable. And when I started kind of, understanding why I was having the gut instinct I was to respond however I was in these forums, I realized I had something of value and I would get lash artists from these forums messaging me. And so I'd kind of walk them through different either equations to figure out their pricing, or Mm -hmm. I would give them just advice on what I would do in their situation. And it actually started getting momentum in their business. And they would say, thank you. That I realized that there was an opportunity in the marketplace for this industry, for a business coach to kind of come in and lead the way. So that was where I first got the idea of, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here. The first experience I had with me having a different approach to business in the beauty world was actually in beauty school. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited that my beauty school offered a business kind of training class because I thought, great, I can learn the business side. I can learn the beauty side. I can tie my two worlds together. Mm-hmm. The first class, it was taught by the massage teacher. I, I honestly, I have no idea what he was teaching, but I challenged him in a respectful way of, you know, I don't disagree. Can you explain more? Maybe I'm not understanding, thinking that he was the expert here and he was going to help me understand his kind of weird philosophy that he was mm-hmm. teaching. And he got all sputtery and he didn't respond. And I had asked him a few more questions, trying to like help him through what I was right. asking of him or to defend himself. And he couldn't. And then the next week he quit. Like the entire, he left his job. And I don't think it was due to me. I think it was just he had (laughs) enough, but I was like, oh man, sorry, dude. So that was kind of my first, I guess, inkling that I approached business, what seems natural to me, but different than the average beauty industry or technician approaches it. So I think this is one of the topics that you've discussed before about how an artist sometimes gets thrown into a business owner role. And so I think that's why you probably, since you had a background in business and marketing or 
or you were coached on marketing, I mean, I think that's why you think so different and you have a lot of value for so many people because they don't know those things and they were probably just thrown into it. And if those people are all giving advice to each other, it's we're kind of just chasing our tails and not getting anywhere. So yeah, I call that monkey see monkey do, (laughs) especially when it comes to bringing on staff. Well, I was hired on as an independent contractor, so I'll just do that. But the U.S. government at least chooses to see that differently for our industry. And it's actually not a legal classification. And that's a whole other podcast we'll get into some other day. But it is the blind leading the blind. And just because you saw somebody having Instagram success, or you think that a business owner, and I'm sure you can relate to this, there's this perception that when you expand and bring on staff, A, that you've made it somehow as a lash artist, and that that's the lash artist success path that you should go down is you've really made it when you bring on a team. But the, the thing that I think a lot of people miss out on is that you are actually then becoming a manager and a business owner first and a lash artist second, if you can still continue to lash. Mm-hmm. If you have a team, your first priority is keeping the doors open and keeping the business profitable, which means that you don't have much time to take clients because your time is actually more valuable working on the business rather than in it. Yes. And that if you can just throw 50% to someone as a commission, well, you're, you're, you're good to go. But you know, the lemons don't buy themselves that are in the water. So somebody has to be accounting for the profitability of the business, the expenses, you have to know your margins. Like there's just a lot of information that if you don't become a student of business, as you go into business ownership, you're going to get eaten alive. You're going to have huge mistakes. You could have lawsuits. There's there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a business owner. It's not mm-hmm. just you get to show up to a pretty workspace, lash and go home and enjoy and spend your money. There's a huge learning curve for lash artists, especially when they're new, that it costs you a lot, both in money, yes. both in stress, both in time. And this is kind of where I want to come in and shed light on that, that being a business owner is not the easiest way to make money. It's probably one of the hardest ways to make money. And the mm-hmm. reason that it, I mean, look at the rest of the world, 90% of the world works for someone else mm-hmm. and having an entrepreneurial mindset going into your lash artistry, knowing that it's a business and protecting the business first, rather than being the service provider who just wants to work by themselves is what's going to have longevity in your career. You start to set those healthy business boundaries. You don't let clients dictate how your business is run. You understand that your business serves a purpose in your life and that your business is not to run your life but to Mm -hmm. support the dream life that you had when you first got into business for yourself. Right. And I I personally learned this the hard way because I worked for myself and expanded and I was like, awesome, this is going to be great. And I was really slapped in the face with reality. And after about a year of, I I was trying to still lash and run everything. And I felt absolutely crazy. And I feel like, I was so stressed out in that trickle down to the rest of the team and it was just horrible. So I had to step back and it's taken a complete 180. Like our team is so much more efficient. We're happier and we're growing like crazy ever since that happened. And unfortunately, I didn't see that for a while that that was the literally probably one of the only things that I had to really change and everything else would come after. Right. Your business is a reflection of you. If you are chaotic, if you don't have clarity and direction, then your business doesn't. And especially if you bring on other people who are looking to you to help support their life and their lifestyle and their livelihoods, that's a lot of pressure and responsibility. And if you're trying to take a full lash clientele and train your staff, and then you have a lot of turnover because you're not dedicating a lot of time to train your staff, 
that's all due to the business owner, not the staff. The staff is not the problem. When the staff comes on, they want to be successful working for you. They want to buy into what you've created and you as the business owner fail them if you have high turnover. And that's a hard lesson to learn too, because when it's your baby, it's your business and somebody quits or leaves mad, or there's just a burned bridge, you take that personally. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing harder to go through. And I think there's a lot of depression in entrepreneurs because what we do is so much tied to our self-worth because you can't blame anybody else. Like you can't blame your staff for failing you because you were responsible for bringing on that staff member and their training. Like everything reflects back to you. If your business fails, the assumption is, is that you have failed. I take a different approach, but that's, that's kind of the mindset that not just lash artists, but entrepreneurs in general take is there's just so much self-worth tied to your business. Yeah, exactly. I, again, can completely relate to that because when I was training staff and everything and I was still trying to lash, it it was really hard to train someone to be at the level that I needed them to be and do that quickly. It's almost impossible. Sometimes some people need a lot more training than just a week or two weeks. And there was it was also like I didn't have as much time for marketing and building someone else's clientele when I had all this other stuff to do. And so someone may have left because they weren't getting clients as like they thought they would, you know? And so there's so many problems. Right. And you can't blame them, right? Yeah. They've got to do what's best for them. And that's, that's a hard pill to swallow because exactly. if you go into it thinking that you're going to continue to lash while expanding your team and they're just going to take half of the, the pay, you're already setting yourself up to fail Because if you're going to expand, you have to go into it thinking, I'm going to be doing a lot of HR. I'm going to be doing a lot of interviewing. I have to actually have an interview process that's legal. You have to have onboarding. You have to have training. You have to have a whole system and process in place. And if you're trying to figure that out while you have team members coming in and out and you're trying to lash, you're human. You only have the capacity for so much. And it's going to reflect in your work and your clients' relationships and your ability to expand your team. Like it just becomes this, this snowball effect. Right. So at this time, you are not seeing clients anymore, correct? Correct. So actually, this is one year since I stopped lashing. I, oh, this is a fun story. So I launched mm-hmm. the Lashpreneur in November 1st of 2016. That's when I started the Instagram page and just started doing one minute business tips, lash business tips. Finally uh, sourced a web designer, had a website created, and was ready to start taking on coaching clients. I launched the website in March of 2017, and the next day found out I was pregnant. Oh, my God. (laughs) So had some trouble getting pregnant the first time around, and the second time around was surprised by it. (laughs) So life took a very, very quick turn where I got really, really sick for the first trimester, had to shut down my business completely, and referred all my clients out to a couple of lash artists in town that I trusted and knew wouldn't try to steal my clients because I knew I would come back, but just maybe not in the same capacity. Mm-hmm. And it it was like the clear deciding factor that it was time for me to move into the Lashpreneur full time once uh, my daughter was born. So I knew I needed a long game plan. And this, when I, I talk about and I teach on the Lash Artist Success Path, 
And after you get fully booked and after you've grown your business to what you want it to be as a solo lash artist, there's the Lashpreneur legacy would be kind of that final step. So for you, that's Lash Boss Radio and what other plans you have in the future. Some people it's education, some people it's supplies. For me, it was business coaching. So what Mm -hmm. is that next step after lashing? Because it is very physically demanding and it is very hard to have a long-term like 40, 50 year career as a lash artist because of the physical nature of it. So- Mm -hmm. It is important to think about what's the long game. And for me, that was the Lashpreneur. So yeah, at eight months pregnant, I last year in August, I took my last Lash client knowing I wasn't going to come back. I knew they were in good hands. I still get messages from them asking if I'm coming back. Took some time to have my baby. Um, not much time. She was born. And three weeks later, I was like, okay, let's let's get going on this Lashpreneur <laughs> stuff. And have been, I mean, balls to the wall ever since. It's grown an insane amount in yeah seven months, I've really been focusing full time on it. Yeah, you're killing it. I gosh, I see a post about you almost every single day. Oh, really? and <laughs> it's it's pretty awesome to see the most humbling thing in the world when you have a dream and it starts to become a reality. And I'm just trying to hold on to this roller coaster while it's it's gaining momentum. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just I have to stop and look at the big picture every once in a while and go, wow, look at what you've accomplished. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk about that often, like, not just moving the carrot, but also appreciating like what, where you are now, what you have done. And cause when you do just chase that carrot and just keep moving it further and further, you're just not really ever happy or satisfied. And it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to stop all the roses. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is one of the most asked questions you get from solo artists or even the most asked questions you get from business owners? How to build a clientele, hands down, which is great because I have a a brain for marketing. It's totally my jam. It's interesting that that is the pain point of lash artists is how to get more clients. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of mindset stuff that I love to teach on that actually helps them get to where they want to be because there's a lot of limiting beliefs. I find that lash artists have that hold them back and that they have a lot of the answers. They're just not empowered to take action on those. So a lot of what my coaching is, is going through their own self-worth, going through why they think somebody else is successful, why they think they can't charge a fair price or even a luxury or premium price, what their expectations were going into running a business. Is it serving their life? Why is a client, you know, giving them pushback, how to communicate more clearly? So there's a lot of my goal is to empower women in their Mm -hmm. own businesses and not just fish for them, but teach them to fish. So by far and away, if I can solve a problem of empowering them to know how to market themselves, then I've taught them to fish. They can generate clients at any price point at any time they want. So it's, it's their intro into my world by me helping them build a clientele. Love that. I kind of have that same mindset when I'm teaching just the art of lashes Mm -hmm. is if you can just follow a map, you're not really thinking for yourself, but if you know what different curls on different parts of the eye are doing, or if you know why your adhesive dries fast or slower during certain conditions and everything, then you will be much better off because you know how to think for yourself, essentially. So yeah, I really, I really like that. And I I do want to get more into like how artists that are listening now can get coaching from you. So we will touch on that. But I did want to ask you a couple of questions that I love to ask people that come on the show. I guess my favorite question is really, what is your favorite failure? 
and you probably you may have already touched on it, but do you have something that you are really glad that happened that when it was happening, you were not too thrilled about? Yeah. So I take a different approach to failure. I haven't always, but for me, failure is something that someone assigns a value to. And if somebody perceives a failure as a failure, so for instance, if you open up a lash business and in the first three months, you don't, you're not making money, you're not paying yourself. Are you a failure or is it just taking you a long time to learn? Or do you have something to learn in order to be a success? Or can you redefine what that means? So a lot of times I take failures as learning lessons. I don't even call them failures, but mm-hmm. for instance, uh, and this isn't lash artist, but more lashpreneur related, my marketing mastery club was a six week marketing program that I put on. And when I went to launch this course, it, I got the idea for it about a week before Christmas. And this was after I'd had my baby. And I decided I was going to launch the program mid-January. I hadn't created it, hadn't marketed it, hadn't done anything for it. I was just going to fly by the seat of my pants and do it. And for the students who went through Marketing Mastery Club on the first round, I I apologize. (laughs) But (laughs) it was better progress than it was perfection. So Mm -hmm. I had this, I pulled a number out of my hat of what I wanted to make off of that program. And I fell about seven students short of what my goal was for that program. And I thought I had I thought I shouldn't even be doing courses. What, who am I to talk about it? I was looking for jobs. I was done being an entrepreneur. And then the next day I was like, I'm going to make this a million dollar business. And so it's just kind of typical of that entrepreneurial ups and downs. But when I talk to my students and I share this story, I give them the perspective of, I saw that as a failure, but in the reality, in the big picture of my goal is to impact and empower women. Did I not accomplish that by that program? Um, I had 33 students go through it the first time around and each and every one of those students had aha moments and they changed up their websites and they knew how to utilize Instagram and Facebook ads. And to me, I saw it as a failure because it didn't meet my expectations that I pulled out of a hat and assigned to it without even marketing it Mm -hmm. well. And so I saw it as a failure, but in the grand scheme of things, I still empowered 33 students to know how to market themselves better. And then I relaunched it again in April and fell too short of my goal because I had set myself a bigger goal and was still like, I can't figure this business out. And in June, I had a really low moment where I was just could not figure it out. I wasn't paying myself. I was at rock bottom. I remember Kimber Janes was in town and I met up with her and Craig and I was kind of like, all right, so I'm going to apply for a job at Tony Robbins because I know he's hiring a content manager and I know I can do that. And they were like, no, I think you should probably keep going. Sure enough, planned out the launch of my group coaching program that now includes that marketing mastery club. And I blew my own mind because I was intentional about it. I didn't set this expectation of I have to blow my own mind. I'm just going to go in and do my best and show up and just serve my community and impact Mm -hmm. women however I can. And I did. I knocked it out of the park. And just I'm so glad I didn't quit because of one or two failures. I'm glad that I didn't let that mean something about me as the lashpreneur, as a business coach that I couldn't do something so that it didn't stop me from reaching the amount of students that I have now. Wow. On the opposite end, do you have a favorite memory or accomplishment so far in your lash career? Or would you say it was that one? I mean, that was pretty big. That was something Mm -hmm. that I never in my wildest dreams thought I could do. And even just now building out a team, being asked to speak all around the world to have students in countries that I didn't even know there was a lash community, South Africa, gosh, so many places in Europe, like East Europe. It's just 
amazing to me, not only the community and how small this world really is now with social media and with the internet and the reach that you can have, but how business can empower women in all walks of life. I got into this. I'm in California. We're the most regulated state there is for small business and for taxes and for employment and for, you know, health standards and all that. And yet my level of knowledge and the way that I teach it can impact somebody who, you know, $150 for them or 50, sorry, $50, which is what our membership is, is like a full set for them or is like a car payment kind of a thing. Like just somebody yeah. who's in a completely different type of walk of life. And I'm still able to impact and empower them in ways. It's just overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I just sit behind my computer all day. So what do I know <laughs> who I'm impacting and empowering? So when I get these messages, I'm like, no way, South Africa. Awesome. <laughs> no, South Africa, they have a lot of lash artists in South Africa. Really? I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> I know. So what would you say are some of your hobbies or passions outside of the lash industry? Like what keeps you motivated and inspired? Aside from work, gosh, I don't think I have any. Um, <laughs> to keep me sane, I do yoga, not mm-hmm. as often as I would like to. I am really working on my mindset as a business owner. I am still learning entrepreneurial mindset. I don't think I will ever have it fully mastered because there's always something I want to challenge myself with. So I get a kick out of challenging myself and then also challenging the norm in the industry. So if I see something that doesn't sound right, or I think it's unfair to a certain group of people, then I feel like I'm the one who has to talk about it because that's just the little niche I've made. Listening to podcasts, taking online courses, I'm a junkie of always learning. What are some of your favorite podcasts to listen to? Lash Boss Radio, Lessons (laughs) of a Lashpreneur. Uh, (laughs) I actually, I very rarely listen to Lash-based podcasts. Mm -hmm. Those are probably the two that I check in with just to make sure that I'm staying up to date on new things in the industry too. Mm -hmm. I listen to a a lot of online marketing and it's interesting because I started listening to Shalene Johnson and Amy Porterfield who have podcasts back when I was an employee and they teach all about online marketing. And I didn't realize that my interest in that and why I connected with them so much is that I was basically being groomed for the business I had today when this business wasn't even on my mind. So the fact that even as an employee, when I really had no control over my marketing, that I found interest in what they had to offer as online entrepreneurs, that I was taking steps that I wasn't really aware of was getting me to the point where I'm at today. I love it when I have students who say like, where have you been all my life? I was like, sorry, I was becoming the version of the lashpreneur who could teach you the things that I know now. Cause it, I had always dreamed of being fulfilled by my career and not just being money motivated. That was very much my dad. And I, I felt like a dollar sign in a lot of ways growing up that I wanted to not impart part that to my kids. So it was more important for me to be passionate and fulfilled by my career or job than it was necessarily the paycheck. And when I started the Lashpreneur and I started being able to monetize it and get paid for something that is just so natural to who I am, I feel like the luckiest person in the world that I get to do something I love, that I'm passionate about it, that I will work 14 hours a day and feel like I could still keep going, that I get to impact and empower women, that I get to leave a legacy for my children to look up to me, for my daughter to be empowered and inspired. I'm even empowering my husband because he listens to me so much about starting (laughs) his own business. So the fact that something that I just get so excited about actually gets to impact and improve the lives of others is just mind blowing. Mm -hmm. I'm so, so lucky to be able to do this. Definitely. So your 
as a Lashpreneur, your target is business owners or people who are aspiring to be a business owner. But I wanted to know, like you said, 90% of people don't own their own businesses. Do you have, what do you think about people who do work for other people? Like, do you ever think that a situation like that is actually okay? Or does it depend on, just because I I have employees and sometimes I I wonder like, man, do they feel like they're unsuccessful because they're under me? Yeah, absolutely. I, my tagline is helping lash artists start building, grow a thriving lash business on their own terms. So I think it's a huge disservice in a lot of ways to our industry to say that you can make more money going out on your own. You can make more revenue and income, but the expenses that come out of that, the stress that that takes, the learning curve and amount of money and time it takes to do that to get to be successful is oftentimes not worth it. Like if lash artists are struggling, and I just did this on my podcast um, yesterday, that if you're struggling in your business and you know the steps that you need to take, you're just not taking it, that's your body giving you resistance to something. You have a desire of what you want, yet you're not committed to taking the steps to get there. That is a sign to you that you're not really that motivated to get to that point. And I tell people all the time, it's okay not to be a business owner. Please don't feel like you have to do it because a lot of lash artists get into it for bragging rights, right? Like, Ooh, I have a business. Ooh, I'm so amazing. Ooh, look at how pretty my salon is. And it's Mm -hmm. this Instagram life, but behind the scenes, they're crumbling. They're in debt. They can't pay their bills. They haven't paid themselves in months. Me as the lashpreneur, I have not paid myself consistently up until my most recent launch. And it's not that much. I pay my team more than I pay myself. So this (laughs) illusion that business owners are sitting back collecting their paycheck, it's also Mm -hmm. more profitable if you're going to go into business for yourself to be a solo lash artist. When you start Mm -hmm. bringing on team, the time that you put in versus the return you get on that investment, it's not there. It's just not that much compared to if you would have more freedom, I guess is what I want to say. You have more freedom and time with your money or more freedom with your time and your money when you are a solo lash artist. And if you don't want to do the business side of things, if you don't want to categorize expenses, if you don't want to you know, understand the employment laws, if you don't want to get an accountant and you don't want to deal with customer service and have policies and boundaries, then don't be a business owner. Focus on your yeah. artistry, go work for someone else, rock out a kick-ass set of lashes, go home and spend your money. I am all for people being true to themselves and stop trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. If you're not mm-hmm. meant to be an entrepreneur, that is not a bad thing. And I don't think we should give some sort of weight to somebody not being successful if they're not running their own business because it is the hardest thing in the world to do. Maybe not the hardest thing in the world to do, birthing a 10-pound kid like I did, that was pretty challenging. (laughs) But it is not the easy way to make money in this world. So this illusion that when you go into business for yourself, you get to jet off to Cabo once a month, you're going to have all this money. You know, it's It can be profitable, but there's a big learning curve. And oftentimes, even entrepreneurs don't have the grit to be able to commit and go through with that. Oftentimes they have families that they have to support. And so they don't have the luxury of not getting paid for months and months on end or investing time into learning how to run a business. Most businesses fail within the first 18 to 24 months, most like 70% or 80%. And that's just not our industry. I think we actually have a shorter timeframe to be profitable because of the demand for our service and because of the price point. But on average, most businesses will fail. Which is scary and unfortunate. Right. But you get a pretty lash salon and you spend lots of money on decor. <laughs> God, it's it's it is crazy. Like you re- 
you really don't expect it to be this way, especially because of the way it's portrayed in all industries, people that own their own businesses and everything. And it's always such this badge of honor. But it's, again, something that I realized when I did it myself, like, oh, God, like, it's not anything what I thought it was going to be. We're taught in our school system to be great employees. We're taught to ask permission, wait in line, you know, follow directions. But when you're an entrepreneur, there is nobody doing that for you. So this is what I was talking about with entrepreneurial mindset, maybe even versus a service provider mindset. If you've Mm -hmm. only worked for other people and you go out to start your own business, nobody's going to come in and say, raise your prices. That's up to you to figure out when to do that. Nobody's going to say, yes, you can bend over backwards for this client or no, you shouldn't because you're the one who has to protect the bottom line of your business. If your business is not profitable, everybody loses because you can't support yourself and you can't do lashes. So you have to be able to stand firm and have a backbone for clients who are some of them will walk all over you until you set this boundary. That's kind of the sad thing about the beauty industry is that I see this more in the hair world, but they don't take you seriously as a business owner. A lot of clients don't because they just assume that you're a service provider working under somebody else or you are a pushover and they can kind of get their way. So they can show up 15 minutes late to an appointment and expect to get the full service or, you know, get a discount. Or I had this conversation the other day on a Instagram live of is a cancellation policy a two way street. Right. So we as lash artists, if you have healthy boundaries, you charge a cancellation fee if somebody doesn't show up to their appointment. But does that work the same for the lash artist if the lash artist has an emergency that they have to run out to? And the overwhelming response that I got was, of course, it's a two way street. The client's time is just as valuable as mine. I insanely disagree because our time is our business time, whereas their time is their personal time in a luxury service. So mm-hmm. there's this boundary of it's not an equal time. Yes, everybody's time is valuable. It's a it's a finite resource. But when you approach your time that's in your business, that's your paid job versus a client who is getting a luxury service, the punishment for you not showing up to a client is that you don't get paid. Whereas a client, when they don't show up to the appointment, it's just they have to go a little bit longer for lashes. They either stop getting lashes or they go find another lash artist. But you can't pay your bills if a client doesn't show up. So it is not tit for tat in my mind. But that's just a whole different mindset shift of seeing yourself as a business first and then a service provider second or an artist second. Mm -hmm. And kind of touching on what you're saying, I don't know if you follow that account, Lash Funnies. Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) Where they post the the screenshots of the conversations sometimes, um, clients to artists like, hey, can you give me a fill right now? And it's literally midnight, midnight. or That's all that like, <laughs> yeah, it it's, it's crazy. I remember that whenever I was working on my own, just all of the requests or feeling like I was being walked all over or I was scared too of clients right. at, at the fear. time. It's a fear of losing that client. And I went through this well as well, having a scarcity mindset. And as soon as I shifted to having an abundance mindset, that there's enough clients to go around that I don't have to take every client because- If you've been in business long enough, you know that not every client's money spends the same. There are some clients, it's just not worth the headache. And I've had to fire (laughs) one client that it was eight months of me putting up with her stuff. And it got, she sent me when I fired her 77 messages in a six (gasps) hour period, like total, I don't know, mental breakdown or something. Cause she went, I can't believe you're doing this to me. I've been so loyal to you, which she hadn't. And then she was backpedaling. I'm so sorry. You're amazing. I don't want you to you know, fire me. And it was just this weird thing. And I thought this woman's money is not worth me. No. So when you take the approach that, and sometimes you have to fake it until you make it, that there's enough to go around and that not every client is your client. 
And the more experience you get and the more clients you get in, you realize there's clients that you connect with and love and clients who kind of dread their appointments. So if you can position your business to only focus on marketing to the clients you love, then you start to build a business that really fulfills you, that you get excited about, that you love to work, that you love to grow the business and expand it because you get to serve that type of client who you love to serve and you love having them in your business. Right. And it goes for even if a client doesn't really agree with your style of lashing or like is asking for things you really don't agree with. And it's okay for someone not to like your stuff. You don't have to take that super personally because there are going to be plenty of clients who do love how you do lashes. And then going to work and lashing all the time is going to feel more positive instead of, okay, I'm going to argue with this client again or, or whatever it is. But when I worked on my own, I remember having a few, I would call them like vampire clients mm-hmm. that I feel like they would literally suck my energy. <laughs> and um, there was a time where Sierra, one of my friends who used to be my client, and she now manages one of my stores. I think she walked in after I had just had a vampire client and I, my eyes were getting kind of glossy and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. I just, I just got to go. Like, I, I don't, I think we were meeting or something. We were going to, she wasn't getting her lashes done or anything. But anyway, I was like, I, I got to go to my car because I got to cry because oh. I got to let, I got to let it out because she did that to me all the time. And Anyway, so that stuff is completely true that you just kind of have to wait for or be ready to accept the people that are meant for you as a client. And you can think about if I let this client go, I'm losing $40, $50, whatever, every two to three weeks. But the in your case, the vampire sucking, that actually impacted you and your life. Like that, you right. have to protect your mindset and your physical energy when it comes to clients, because if that client had happened in the middle, in the middle of the day and you had three or four new client clients after how much would their service have been impacted and your ability to show up and be present for them because of this one client. So there is a cost to having these kind of toxic clients. Exactly. One client who berates you because they've got their own stuff going on in life and they're taking it out on you can set you back so much further in your career and in your business because you think it's a reflection of you rather than the 20, 30, 50, 70 other clients you have that are like, oh my God, she's amazing. And they're referring their friends and family and they can't sing your praises enough. But that one Mm -hmm. toxic client can skew you for a few days. I I have had clients like that where it took a couple of days to recover from what was talked about, the things that they shared, just their energy or Mm -hmm. just feeling yucky after their appointment. So protecting you because if you're a solo lash artist, ain't nobody coming in to take your clients if you need a day off, right? Right. And this whole subject kind of reminds me of the whole topic of your competition too, because the idea that you aren't going to service everyone and there are clients that you can't serve or that aren't going to be good for your your well-being. You've talked about the whole sort of like mob mentality and like the negativity that lash artists give to each other and everything. Can you talk a little bit about the competition aspect of being a lash artist a little? Absolutely. So if you're following your competition, I highly encourage you and I give you permission to unfollow. It's fine. I, I did this for a long time too, thinking I had to stay up to date on what they were doing until I had clarity on who my most favorite client is. That's why I call them MFCs. Your ideal client is. When you see that somebody else is charging low prices and they're super booked and their work's super amazing and it's better than yours and you can't possibly charge what they charge, blah, 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 blah. 
that seems to be kind of the common thing of establishing prices is mm-hmm. you look at what the work is being done out there and you set yourself lower than that based on where you feel you fall compared to their work. Yeah. What you're not considering is you're just seeing the Instagram life. You're seeing the promotions. You're seeing the, the before and after photos. You're seeing the testimonials on Yelp. What you're not seeing is that there may be stuff behind the scenes that you're not aware of. Maybe she's working 12 hours a day and her family life is suffering or she doesn't even have a family life. I've seen lash artists talking about how they make $15,000 in a month, but they're working 70 to 80 hours in a week. That's not sustainable for any business owner. My sister-in-law is a surgeon and works that amount, makes way more than $15,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And she gets really, really crabby. We don't want to be around her when she's been working that much. Mm -hmm. So there is a cost to that amount of work. But I tell lash artists all the time, put blinders on. Nobody else's life, nobody else's success path is the same as yours. Somebody can be successful and fully fulfilled working three days a week, taking three clients a day, and they get to spend the rest of their time being present with their kids. Some other people are successful making six figures, and they get to take two vacations a year, and they're happy about that, or they grow out a team. There is no cookie-cutter formula for success because each and every single one of us is different. So mm-hmm. by looking at your competition and thinking that that is the version of success that you need as a lash artist or a new business owner is just fooling you into into tricking you away from your dreams. If you want to mm-hmm. go work towards somebody else's dream, go work as an employee somewhere else. That's exactly what you do. But again, that entrepreneur mindset is I'm going to be focused on what my business serves, uh, the purpose of the business my business serves in my life. And I'm just going to ignore everybody else because your competition can distract you from what ultimately the fulfillment you can get from your own business. Even me, I technically kind of have competition, but I'm solely a business coach. I don't know offer anything else but business coaching. So I could see what all the other people are doing and feel like I have to keep up with the Joneses, but that's going to impact my ability to serve the people that I am choosing to serve. And it's going to set me back in my confidence to be able to impart the message that I have. So I am all for putting blinders on, unfollowing, stay off social media, for personal use other than just posting for business, but protect your energy, protect your mind. Because if you get off track, everything in your life suffers, your business, your personal life. And it's really hard to get back on track unless you have a coach saying like shaking you get back on track. Right. And this mob mentality and lash police, cyberbullying that I've seen and been really disappointed in on Instagram mainly, but it's, Gosh, it just breaks my heart because I so much stand for empowerment and I feel like it's the most disempowering thing that we as women can do. But where we take, let's give an example of somebody stealing work, right? Say it's a chicken Russia who stole your work and you're blasting her out there for stealing your work and she's not giving you credit, all this stuff. Now, there are intellectual property laws, right? Social media falls under one of them. If you post work, you own that work. Nobody can use it. To go and bring the mob to attack that person on their Instagram page is just the most unprofessional and disempowering thing that can happen. I am all for you privately handling that. Get your lawyer involved, send them a cease and desist. By all means, protect your work. But to go on somebody else's business page that they are trying to support their families and try and ruin their reputation because you're a little pissed off they stole your work, to me is just not our our job as lash artists. It's not Mm -hmm. our job as women to try and affect how somebody else runs their business. The same thing, if you look at it from a lash artist business owner, if a client was unhappy and she got seven of her friends to come on and leave you a bad review on Yelp, even though it's not true, it had it can tank your business, right? It's our yeah. livelihood. Each and every single individual is trying to do their best with what they know how to do. Whether you agree with it or not, I'm not saying stealing work is okay. I'm not giving permission. Right, right. But it's not up to you to police them. Handle it 
send cease and desist, file lawsuits if you have to, if that's really how far you want to go. But that's also taking away from your energy. Is it really hurting you that somebody else is using your lash work? What your ego is getting involved in that, right? Because if you're taking hours to try and get somebody else to go and attack that person or shame them for using your work, couldn't you be using your energy more for good? That's just my mm-hmm. approach on it. And by all means, do you. But I I feel like there's so much more good we can be doing with that kind of energy rather than trying to take somebody down who's just trying to support their family, right? Whether it's shady or not, yeah. that's that's not up for me to decide. But I don't think we need to have this lash police aspect or the cyberbullying whether you feel like it is or not. So, yeah. And I, I think you're probably one of the only people that talks about it in that way, but I do think that a lot of people needed to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's awesome though, that you speak up for those people too, because it makes sense. It really does. So you said whenever you got into the beauty industry, you didn't have, you never thought that you would be in this industry or anything as a child what did you see yourself doing whenever you got older? When I was real little, I was going to work at SeaWorld with the whales. Oh. I remember my group of friends. I was always going to be the one with the career. And I have no idea why, because I don't remember ever being like super driven to business. I was very successful in basketball. I'm 5'11", um, which is oh. hard to know about me. <laughs> just looking on. You've met me in person. <laughs> I'm yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was just going to play basketball through college, maybe join the WNBA at one point, quit basketball my senior year to be a part of the choir because I loved singing more. Mm-hmm. And when I initially went into college, I was under, gosh, what do they call them? So for the football team, basically like a water girl, but I got to stretch the football players. So that was my my passion. Um <laughs> When I got into college and then I moved into communications thinking I was going to do public relations. I worked as an intern at a Hollywood public relations agency, got to meet some celebrities and they're not as cool as you think they are in person. (laughs) And then finally, when I moved back home, because I jumped from a different bunch of different colleges, I decided "Eh, I'm going to pursue business management because it was the quickest way to graduate. It really Mm -hmm. was. My dad is a state farm insurance agent, so he does run his own business. But I never thought I wanted to be that. I never saw myself as a business owner. I just thought I'm going to have some sort of career. I graduated college and started working for the Rock and Roll Marathons. What is that? You don't know what they are. I don't know if they have one in Texas, actually. Uh, So they are a marathon company. So they do half marathons, 5Ks, and full marathons. But there is a music component to it. So at every mile marker, there's a band that plays to kind of make it different, right? It's their niche. So it's a lot of sales and marketing for athletic events, sports Mm -hmm. marketing. And so I got to travel the country a lot on their dime and, you know, go party with my coworkers in my early 20s. It was a lot of fun. But I learned kind of the basics of marketing to people and kind of selling because I would go to trade shows and I'd work trade shows all day Mm -hmm. and just try and sell race entries. So it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of travel involved, too. And when I started dating my now husband, I kind of didn't want to be traveling as much. And so, yeah, I don't. I didn't ever aspire to being a business owner until I had taken that My Brand Lashes course. I had no idea that that was even something that I would be successful at or want to pursue. And Mm -hmm. now I just, I'm obsessed with it. It's, I'm teaching other people how to do it. Like it's just all, I live, eat and breathe entrepreneurship. Love that. You're not the first person to talk about Hillary on the show. I want to say Lindy, her first course was with Hillary, maybe. I think that was Lindy, but she's kind of amazing. Yeah, I, I, I really want to have her on. So very good friend of mine. That's awesome. So how can artists 
get coaching from you? Like what different programs do you offer? Can you list them off? Yeah, it depends on what level they're at as to which program would be appropriate. So if you are a lash artist who works under somebody else or you haven't started your business, uh, thelashpreneur.com, I have a section called Start Your Biz. And that's a lot of free resources and a checklist to kind of my prep and planning guide to get you to the point where you're ready to go into business for yourself. And if you're in the starting your business or you're trying to build a clientele or you're fully booked and want to work smarter and not harder, that's all of what I cover in my Lashpreneur Society, which is my group business coaching program. So that has a course component, which is the Lash Artist Success Path. That's where I go through starting, building, and growing your lash business. And then there's also monthly mini trainings to help grow your business savvy knowledge and become a better business owner and just all those mindset shifts as well. Mm -hmm. And then... Yeah, I'll be speaking at conferences. We're going to grow out the the programs that we offer as the year goes on. I don't want to mention anything, but there may or may not be a, a mastermind for those who are in the grow level and beyond for their Lashpreneur legacy. But mm. that's later to come. We are releasing a DIY web design website course. A website is an absolute must have at this day and age. And if you are not getting consistent leads off your website or you don't even have one, then this is the course to show you point click on how to set up your own LashBiz website. So that is releasing in September of 2018. And yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'll be traveling to conferences here and there. Nice. If people are following me on social media or on our email list, then uh, they will obviously get updates as to where they can meet me in person. Awesome. And you have a podcast as well for Lash Artists. Tell me a little bit about what your podcast is all about. Yes. So I run a weekly Facebook live show called The Lessons Mm -hmm. of the Lashpreneur that we then repurpose on YouTube and as a podcast. And it is where I share bite-sized knowledge nuggets on how to start, build, and grow a thriving lash business. So it's both mindset trainings, it's mini trainings, it's Q&As. I do have the option for people to ask me questions and then I will respond to them. They're 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. They're really quick, really easy to listen to. So it's called Lessons of a Lashpreneur. Awesome. I'm going to link that as well in the show notes so that everyone can check that out too. That's awesome. um, I know that the Lashpreneur Society has open enrollment just a few times a year, but You are offering something for the listeners. Can you tell us a little bit how they can join now? Yes. So because I want to be fully present and focused on the current members in the group, we only open up registration to the public two times a year. But I have worked out with Lash Boss Radio to allow access to her listeners through her link in the show notes to join the Lashpreneur Society, my signature group coaching program now. Yay. Thank you so much for doing that for everybody. I think it'll be really good for all of the listeners to get some of your coaching. So I'm excited. Hey, well, um, I just have one more question for you. And that is what are some words that you live by every day? What got you here won't get you there. So I'm always challenging myself that every level I need to become a new and evolved version of myself. So that if I want to be the lash artist who's six figures, who do I have to be now in order to get to that point? If I want to be a lash artist who has a training company or a supply program, who do I have to be in order to keep challenging myself to not stay stagnant and to always be evolving as a person, as a mother, as a wife, as a business owner, and as an influencer? Love that. Cool. Well, I think that episode was amazing. It's going to be about an hour long, so that's perfect. Right? Super chatty, Tara. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you so much for everything. It was really 
It was nice. And I, I think I want to sign up for some of your coaching too, because <laughs> I'm like, in. yeah, love to have you girl. I am just, I'm so impressed with what you're doing. And I'm so just honored that not only that you have me on this, but that we have something like this and a resource like you in our industry. So please keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that's all I've got for episode 24. I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Tara and make sure to check out the show notes. I will have a lot of links for you there, including how to sign up for the Lashpreneur Society, as well as Tara's social medias and her podcast link. I hope you guys have a great weekend and you guys are getting through the holiday rush. I will see you guys back very soon with episode 25.